This is the Real Good Podcast. My name is John Roebuck, and with me is Blake Brush Stroke Curtis. Say something. Oh, hello. <laughs> and Derek Noe Armstrong. Something. Noe. This episode <laughs> is called Vincent Van Go and See It, and that's because we'll be talking about loving Vincent. Here's the synopsis that I found on the internet. Mystery surrounds the death of a famed painter, Vincent Van Gogh, in 1890, France. Short synopsis. Short and sweet. But God, yeah. it was spot on. Yeah. I, I didn't hear it. It was I, correct. I couldn't hear what you were saying, though. I'm missing an ear. What? Uh, <laughs> you neglected to mention when the Terminator comes Derek, back Derek's and saves Vincent. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. yeah. Lucky we've got Derek. Otherwise, this podcast would be serious. I've yeah. got the dad jokes all. Yeah, my all Terminator right reference was very serious. Uh I want to shoot Vincent it over Bingo. to you, fellows, yeah. to hear about your thoughts in a moment. But I thought first, perhaps one of you could explain the visual element to this film that makes it so special. Um, yes, I will do my best to do that. I, uh, mea culpa here, I misidentified the technique that was used when I wrote my review for the site. So if you've read that, entirely disregard everything you read except for my opinion. Uh, what it is, <laughs> and even that, and even yeah. that is, I well, you'll have to decide whether you. Yeah, that's right. Um, it's this it's, is the man who didn't like Dunkirk. Yeah, well. Yeah. That's going to come and up on every podcast. <laughs> <laughs> to the end of time. You're lucky to be here, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Loving Vincent is um, done in the style of Vincent Van Gogh as a moving painting, and it bas- basically, if you've ever seen a film that uses rotoscoping, it, it's the technique is s- similar to that, but not the same as that, which I thought it was originally. And rotoscoping. Rotoscoping means... involves um, filming of real actors, um, and like you would make a conventional film, and painting over those images to give it a, a quality of... And who's the king of that? Famous examples yes. of rotoscoping, yep. Derek? Uh, yep. Richard Linklater, Winking Life, Scanner Darkly. He's the big Correct. guy. Correct. Yes. Um, so this is not actually rotoscoping. What I, what I found out today <laughs> is that actually what happened is they did film the film, as, uh, as you would expect since you see familiar actors in it, but the artists who individually hand-painted each frame did not paint over the actual frame. They used. They looked at the at the frame and painted an, a, 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 a portrait of the frame. Wow! And then those were all shot individually with the camera and put together. That's actually incredible because I yeah. was watching when I was watching it. There were parts that I thought, "There's no way you could actually animate this without yeah. rotoscoping." I can't, yeah. that's, that's incredible. Yeah, it's not. It, it's, it's not it's rotoscoping. So, so that's even so more impressive. Like that's, uh, yeah. Amazing. And and even if it had been just even didn't if it, it say this at the very beginning of the film? I was under no. Well, it was said individually mm-hmm. hand painted, but I figured they individually hand painted the frame, the frames that were uh, shot. Yeah, 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 yeah. With traditional film. Yeah. But that's not what it is. Yeah. They actually exactly. were each given. It's shot at twelve frames frames per second, and they were each given. Uh, Hundred artists were each yeah. given a frame to individually paint based on looking at it and then creating it on there. And the thing I think is so incredible about that is that you are trying to marry it up with the work of. 99 other artists hmm. and have the scene, have the film have a sense of continuity hmm. which it does remarkably absolutely and um, should we get into our substantive thoughts on the film no, I we can keep talking about this <laughs> well we could um, but I, I I'll, I'll quickly run out of r- other things to say but I'd like to see the conversation back to Roto's I would, yeah. <laughs> I would be curious to see because I don't think they would have the artists would have gone off individually. Surely they were in the same room. Oh yeah, they yeah. absolutely were. I read I read about how it was. They would have all worked cohesion. together on it. And but but they basically and they the guy I heard that they basically painted about three or four of these a day wow. each. How long did it take? Did you say, did you say that? Seven years. Wow. But so the thing that's not interesting, quick. Yeah, process. it wasn't well, not a quick process. The question I have about that is how much of the film was shot 
now or, or recently and how much of it was shot seven years ago. Because, for example, you've got a very young actress, Saoirse Ronan, in it who's, could, who must be only 22 or 23. Yeah, so I mean, her ha- footage could have been was, shot seven years yeah, ago. Yeah, Atonement was 2007. Yeah, so she was... So when, when she was a young girl. So, but, yeah. but she looks like the current version of Saoirse Ronan. The, the, in this film, she, yes, did, she yeah. does. Obviously, not the Atonement version. No. Didn't look then like have, the then version. So some of it, have done that? I believe they, saw, they shot some of it ages ago. Yeah. And then they shot some of it more recently. Oh, I guess, yeah, I guess yeah. they've been doing it for seven years. Because you'd only yeah. have to work on whatever part of it you have yeah. to do. I mean, yeah. you, could, you, could, you could even theoretically do reshoots, I suppose. You just have that would be the last ones painted. But, mm. uh, yeah, it's an incredible technique. I'm a sucker for uh, outside-the-box animation like this, things that, that kind of break the rules and do something I've never seen before. And this was definitely that. And I think that might have swayed my opinion of it more than it should have, but I loved it. I don't know if it did sway your opinion more than it should have because I don't care about outside the box animation. I yeah. this movie was awesome. Yeah. Uh, Good. I'm uh, glad to hear it. Un, yeah, it's such a, yeah. uh, an, um, intru- a, a great way of uh, looking at a, a person and a personality. And I think, um, crucially, it's not about uh, the man that he was. It was the man, about the man he might have been. Yeah. And it was less. Uh, it was more of an exploration than an explanation. And I think... Um, Often that's more interesting so, yeah, and thought-provoking than a more clear-cut sort of um, uh, uh, something more clear-cut. And I think it's appropriate here. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, should we give a little bit of the plot and, and what the, is actually Didn't the narrative focus of it? the amazing synopsis that I found on <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, I, basically, it's, it's, I, in my review, I refer to it as kind of like a Citizen Kane-type structure where one man is going around. Ooh, good interview. Yeah. What's, what, good, what's the word I'm looking for? Good um, analogy. Metaphor? No. Uh, <laughs> Comparison? Monkey. Analogy? Yeah. Monkey. Yeah. <laughs> Good monkey. Um, it, where one man is going around interviewing a bunch of people that knew Vincent van Gogh, trying to find out about his life and his death, and mm. takes them around uh, the French countryside. And I thought that was a, a remarkably um, engrossing structure for a film. See, I yeah. think I'm going to be the wet blanket on this uh, one. Okay. Yeah. There's always one. There's always one. I did enjoy it. I did enjoy the film. Um, but... Th- Here we <laughs> <laughs> But there was, I didn't think it was as good as I hoped it would be. And one of my main qualms was it, with it was, was the protagonist who we were following throughout the film. I didn't get enough of his motivation throughout it. Like at the very beginning, he just didn't give a shit about helping the, his dad out mm-hmm. and helping Vincent out. And then he kind of switched and there wasn't enough of his progress as a, a, as a protagonist for me to hold on to. I wonder if that's a casting choice. The guy who played him, Douglas Booth, I find him pretty unlikable. Oh, I thought he was. Yeah. I thought he dropped the ball a bit. I so as we I, can, and there was a couple because their voices were obviously a big factor in this film as well. And there were a couple of times when I was like, oh, you've really, like, because you're you're in this really strange world where you're watching moving paintings, and so it's like it's very easy that if with a film like this, if if someone plays something off, if some key is not quite right in the you know the timing or the way the actors uh, portray something, I think it takes me right out of the world and then I'm realising I'm watching this weird painting thing again. And when I'm mm. out of it, it's hard for me to get back into it. And there were moments... And so that's why to do this, I thought it had to be perfect. And unfortunately, mm. I could see a lot of the little stitches that yeah. were being put together for the film. It's, yeah, it's weird. I, I, to me... Decisions like that didn't bother me so much because I think narration, oh sorry, narrative, was the least important aspect of this film to me. And, and it was, uh, to me, it was a film about uh, a person, and uh, as in Vince, and, and, you know, yeah, Vincent yeah. Van Gogh, and uh, and exploring that person. And I think the fact that it 
it had a relatively compelling narrative uh, was enough for me with this film. Well, my big takeaway from it was I really didn't know very much about Vincent Van Gogh. Like, honestly, I knew that he, you know, painted the water lilies Mm -hmm. and his various faint Starry Night and various... Was he the water lilies, dude? I thought that was Monet. Uh, Yeah, you're right. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) He did Starry Night, though, right? John smarter than Derek. (laughs) All those French guys. Actually, he's not French. Anyway... uh, (laughs) Since that, I'm not qualified to have a meaningful discussion of art history from only one, one course at university. <laughs> I'll say that, I d- and to further that, I didn't know very much about Van Gogh's yeah. life and the, the way he died. I knew that he cut off his ear and gave it to a prostitute, which yeah. you see briefly in the film. Well, you don't see him cut off the ear, you just see him presented at the very start, which is kind of like a nod to, this is what you know about Van Gogh, here it is at the start. Here's all the stuff you don't know about mm-hmm. him. And it took it took him me into this... Um, it really um, immersed me in the French countryside where it was set. And I thought it was really interesting the way I, they went around and he went around and met all these people who had knew di- different gossip about Van Gogh and we couldn't really be sure what was true. What I know? think it really immersed me was... was I got immersed in the man. And you often hear um, the, the uh, phrase, the character study about films, yeah. which is a phrase that really pisses me off. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. But I, th- I feel like this is... If, if there was any film it really applied to, this might be it. Yeah. And I think... Um, not only was he interesting as a character or like a person they were pursuing, because he wasn't really in the film all that much. No, he was he, sort of this sort of like figure. These almost, was a ghost. Or, he was almost like was, a, um, a, was a MacGuffin. Yeah, uh, yeah, um, yeah. Vincent Van Gogh, or even um, in third, Orson Welles and the Third Man is the other thing. Yeah, that yeah, yeah, sure. And I think um, uh, what what a it was almost um, a, a compa- what sorry what immersed me was this insight into a mind that is able to create masterpieces like Van Gogh is and how, how someone like that views the world differently to other people and I think yeah. with every conversation that the protagonist had you sort of got a different take on uh, everyone around his perspective of Vincent Van Gogh yeah. and you got more insight into what made him unique and also what made him uh, like everyone else and the parts of him that wanted to be like everyone else and the parts of him that's, uh, that were unique that begetted this sort of art and I have no appreciation of uh, it's I mean Sort of visual you, art yeah. is one of the yeah is is uh, the, one of the art forms that's definitely lost on me, but I think it's a a character study again, for lack of a better term, that could be applied to all forms of arts and artists. And I think mm-hmm. even though this was specifically about Vincent Van Gogh, I think it also is uh, a way of looking at someone, uh, especially like a prolific artist, uh, and that's uh, sort of universal. Yeah, I agree. And almost talking about humanity and existence and. Those big questions that we all think about and, and you know keep us up at night. A legacy, you know, like uh, this one last letter that he had written that was never delivered to his brother and then his brother died and trying to find out where this would go and what wisdom would be contained mm. in and it that would explain the man possibly. Kind of like, like a rosebud type situation. Yeah. You know? I love yeah. the inclusion of the letters because apparently Theo uh, Van Gogh, his brother, did keep all the letters that his, uh, Vincent Van Gogh sent him. So they were, these were real letters. Yeah. Um, and uh, even the inclusion of all the characters were characters, people that he actually painted. They were, you know, uh, oh, whether, yeah. whether they refle- reflected Vincent Van Gogh's, you know, actual relationship with him or not in the film, I don't know. But these were real people that he painted and real letters. And I think you almost need a sort of abstract, um, not concrete uh, analysis of Vincent Van Gogh because we're never going to know what he's like. And I think. This is Van Gogh through the eyes of Van Gogh. And I think if you're going to delve into the mind of Van Gogh, what better way to do it than through his creation? So Mm. it sort of fits that uh, the people that occupy this biopic are the people that he painted. Well, Mm. the interesting thing is that he wasn't known widely 
outside of that. I mean, he was known enough to get report his death to get reported in the newspaper, but he wasn't. I mean, he, he hadn't sold anything. He sold one painting. He sold yeah. one painting, and he was. And even a year later, and I'm sure his death increased the value of his work fairly soon afterward. But even a year later, he's not the Van Gogh that we know today. Mm-hmm. And so it's still you're having to find these individual people who have an impression of him. Some of them wouldn't know. They'd say, "Oh yeah, that Dutch painter or was he Dutch German? God, I, I think it was Dutch." <laughs> we anyway. literally all just saw a buyer pick a daddy, and I have no. Oh, idea. I saw it a full week ago. I didn't just see it. <laughs> I saw it. Just <laughs> pretty sure it was Dutch. But um, but yeah. So it's so it's. it's Who a piece, cares? It's I don't a, have any more interest in him. It's, it's piecing together a mystery about him, and that's one of my favorite things about it too. It, it kind of kept you guessing. Mm. It was like a whodunit almost. And but that's what annoyed me a little bit about it. At one point in the film, I was just so far ahead of the mystery that it just I was bored. And I think mm. the danger is that if you keep you keep the audience too far ahead, they're just going to lose interest. What aspect were you far ahead on? I Very, very early on. Like, as soon as he got shot in the stomach, I was like, there's no way that any anyone kills themselves. And but I, no, but I think he stomach. did kill himself. I think yeah. But what I well, liked about this one was that it didn't give or provide clear answers regarding yeah. the mystery. Like, And it left the, the... I don't think the mystery was solved. Yeah. And so it gave you enough uh, information to make up your own mind. In relation to this film, I'm pretty sure he just did kill himself, didn't he? In, I, I in think well, so. Yeah. Well, it's, it said at the end credits, it said at the end credit that Renee on his deathbed said that he, he'd that Van Gogh had stolen his gun to kill to himself. Kill himself. But, but I think but in in relation to the film, the mystery I think remains unsolved. In, well, in, and one of the things I loved about it too was that there was a real reversal in one of the key characters, which is uh, uh, Doctor Gachet. Who's uh, well, he, he was a huge suspect of mine for well, most of the well, film. Well, that's the thing. And he's, he's played by Jerome uh, Flynn from Game of Thrones, which yeah. I thought was great because I'd never seen him in anything else. That yeah, he was good. I, I can't well. remember his character's name in Game of Thrones, but he's the mercenary who's, with, who's with Jamie yeah. Lannister no, nowadays. Brom. Yeah. yeah. Bran's the kid. Yeah, Bran's yeah. the kid. Yeah. Bron's, lots of similar Bron's names the one in Game of Thrones. We're talking about. Yeah. But, um, so, so, yeah, since we're spo- – obviously this is a spoiler podcast. We didn't say spoilers for this one, but, but I'll say that there's a giant reversal with him where you learn – why the death was so important, why Vincent Van Gogh's death affected him so much because he felt responsible for a comment that he had made to Van Gogh. And then you see this scene at Van Gogh's deathbed from a, a second time, from a different perspective, kind of Rashomon style, and you know so much more about what is happening in that moment or, mm. what, or at least what somebody what somebody else says is happening in that I'm moment. I'm liking these so. comparisons, these Citizen yeah. Kane and Rashomon uh, <laughs> cards you, you're busting out. I've been thinking about it. I've what about, about my it. third man? Um, oh, the third man, the guy's actually Yeah, you're you're poo pooing the film, so you're, yeah, you go sit I'm, in the corner. I'm not poo pooing it. I, I enjoyed it, but ultimately it just kind of left me slightly unsatisfied. And I think I was probably looking for things in the film that I wanted, and not necessarily what the film was doing. I yeah. wanted, I wanted the mystery to be solved. I think I, wanted... I think a stronger narrative would have taken taken away f- and cheapened the uh, exploration of Vincent Van Gogh as yeah. a person no. because then I would have been when I would have been constantly thinking okay, none of this happened. Yeah. Mm. Whereas I mean n- uh, none yeah. of it probably happened, but I think because the narrative wa- did take second uh, you know precedence to exploring Van Gogh as a person, uh, I I think that was the strength of the film and I think if the narrative was more pronounced it, it would have had less of an impact on me. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think, yeah, I think you guys, are, and this never happens in this podcast, but you guys are actually swaying me, and I think I might be wrong for the first time ever. He's Blake, you're wrong. never wrong. <laughs> but you the know, only time anyone's ever been wrong is obviously Derek Quiddy. With Dunkirk. Dunkirk. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> um, this, other, this French movie is much The other much thing better. that I wish that they had done is, and I, I understand why they didn't, because it would have taken so much longer to paint all those 
individual frames is I wish they had taken a bit longer at the start to allow me to enter the world because I was so interested in the visuals at the beginning that I wasn't listening to what they were talking about and I kind of felt like I was catching I like the, up to I like the Parisian happening. intro. I actually liked the, yeah. the first shot in my mind. Oh, the first that, shot, the first shot was came down out of the sky and then... That was oh, fantastic, but I wanted a little bit more of that. Do you know that. what's funny? At that point, I didn't realize... I thought it was all just painted out of somebody's storyboard. I didn't think it had actually been filmed, so I was like what kind of genius put this together and was able to figure out all the angles? And then I realised, oh, no, it's filmed. I, I can't <laughs> believe that it wasn't rotoscoping because yeah. there's movement in, I think, especially their faces, yeah. Yeah. which is just... It, it, yeah. I'd it's like incredible. to see it again now to hmm. understand or get, get my mind around the fact that it, it is all just painted because it's just so lifelike. Well, what yeah. I don't there, know there, is... There, there are moments where... You, You'd yeah. say this has to be rotoscoped. Yeah, I'm wondering if there was some there where it was like, well, that's too jerky of a transition. You have to repaint that one. And th I mean, that that would have had to have happened. I but assume, this is right? so, this is so lifelike in yeah. the movement sometimes, like yeah. and the black and, and white scenes and I, especially. And I, think, I think what's yeah. astonishing is, or like what, what uh, is a uh, about astonishing, but there are, there are scenes where it's very unlifelike and it really looks like a painting. Yeah, and then um, uh, there are parts that. Uh, just so lifelike, and the, the the comparison between the two is the black cool. and white scenes in particular. Oh, they were fantastic! They, they look like they look like real life. Yeah, you know? and their facial expressions as well. Sometimes it was beautiful. Just yeah. just watching the emotion on their face on some of the characters' faces, I was like, this I can yeah. I, I can feel what that emotion, and yeah. it was really strong. Yeah. It's all right, Blakey. You don't have to back down. You, no, you no. not like the film. No, right. I, I, no, I, I, I liked it. I think it. you should back down. I liked it, but I went in knowing that you had given it 9 out of 10. As yeah. I walked up to the box office, the woman was, like, raving about it when I told her. And so I think maybe I went in with higher expectations that's, that's than I should have. Yeah. And it's, yeah. always, it's always an issue when you come in with too high expectations. Can I pause to insert something here? Um, a shout-out to Zoe, our other co-host, who really, really wanted to be available for this podcast but was not... Get her, keep her off. She, yeah. she's not, she's not. I good. hope she's, she's seen it by now and, and loved it. She's but. bad news, Zoe. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't like her. Blakey doesn't like yeah. her. Never liked her. Uh, yeah, we don't like you either, Derek. <laughs> uh, but Fortunately, you know, my contributions overcome that. <laughs> you're the lesser of two evils in this scenario. Yeah, but just if you're, if you're listening, Zoe, uh, stay away from us. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now, uh, anything? Else? Top three. Yeah, why sure. not? Yeah. Okay, uh, do you want to explain the top three? Blakey doesn't want to explain I'll the top three. Derek? Oh, it's just, uh, basically, it was films about visual artists. Um, so nothing this, more. This was tough. Yeah, it was a little bit tough. I actually, when I when I went through my list, should I start then? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. When I went through my list, I, I, I ended up finding I, that I don't actually love a lot of biopics of painters. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> um, there are a lot of them that exist, but not a lot of them that are truly memorable. Some are, some are quite I, good. I was but. almost going to message you and ask if you thought it was okay to broaden it to movies about artists, which would have been like easier. Did you get musicians in there? Just anyone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just, <laughs> movies about have. anyone. <laughs> <laughs> movies about people. Um, I like movies about people. But I thought I'd challenge myself. Uh, well, yeah, yeah, hopefully you came up with something. Yeah, I ended up, what I ended up discovering was that I ended up going with three documentaries, actually. Um, the first is, my number three, was My Kid Could Paint That. I don't know if you ever saw that. It's a documentary about a girl named Marla who is presented to the world as this prodigy um, because she's four or five, six years old and paints these great Jackson Pollock-style paintings that people want to pay for. Um, and it's it's kind of like this idea about like the art and the artist and, and, and what is natural talent and at what age does it manifest itself and is a child's painting just as good as an adult's and all that stuff. And eventually there's a mystery revealed, which is that 
they can't be certain that this girl actually painted these paintings. And they kind of delve into that, like, did the parents do it and all that stuff. It's a really interesting film, uh, yeah. 2007, Amir Barlev. Um, my number two is a film called Marwin Call. I don't know if you ever saw that. That's another documentary. It's about this guy. We don't really watch films. Like <laughs> <laughs> or doc- documentaries now. Um, about this guy named Mark Hogenkamp who was attacked um, and uh, in his town, his small town in the U.S. And he ended up building as a kind of therapy for his recovery um, a one-sixth scale World War II Belgian town in his backyard with all these details. Um, and that was his therapy. He ended up taking photos of it, and the photos ended up being displayed on exhibit. And it's a really uh, profound film dealing with how do you cope with, with trauma and um, really, really good film. And I think there's been a long gestating um, fiction film or narrative film remake of it that maybe will be coming out soon. And my number one is Exit Through the Gift Shop, which I would have to assume that you guys have seen, yes? Yeah. That one I've seen. Yeah, yeah. I love so it. One, yeah. one film a year, and that, that year I saw that one. That's <laughs> a film by and about Banksy, I guess. He's the director, but Banksy is the big mystery. He's the the uh, graffiti artist who does street art and, and, and but is never seen. No one knows his identity. He pulls off these amazing feats of painting things that weren't there the day before, but no one sees him painting them. Um, it's it's a really self-reflexive film about art and the makers of art, and it ends up being a film about the uh, this other guy named Terry Guetta who calls himself Mr. Brainwash, who ends up kind of <laughs> imitating Banksy and making paintings that celebrities want to buy, even though it's really cheap stuff. Mm. And uh, there's a lot to say about that particular film, which I can't get into right now, but it's that's my number one. Yeah, it's a ripper. Yeah. Uh, okay, you go, Blakey. You want to go? You no, can go. No, after you. Do, you. do you have a top three? <laughs> no one you wants to go. I might have forgotten. <laughs> uh, you can pass. You can just say pass. No, no, I've got. I've been thinking. <laughs> I, I'd you like to you just go off the top of your head. Okay, instead of your top three movies about visual artists, I want to see how many movies about visual artists you can name. Because it's tough. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I, I struggled with this one. I don't know. I, well, actually, through the gift shop yep. was, would be one, That's obviously. One. Uh, I was trying to figure out whether Finding Neverland, Neverland would be one. No. I consider that. I actually really like that film. But yeah. that's, that's just about a writer. It's about right? a writer. Yeah. yeah. Um, the other one I was going to chuck in, because uh, it was Jodorowsky's Tune. No. Because I feel uh, like he did some of the vi- no. but I feel like he did some of the visuals. No, because he, he actually employed people to do the visuals for that, so uh, that's yeah. another no. Yeah. yeah. All right. No, I got nothing. Valiant yeah. effort without, uh, on short notice. Yeah. Off the top of my head, <laughs> uh, I struggled as well. The, the, I thought of like Th- Frida, which isn't in my top three. Yeah. Uh, and Pollock, which yeah. also isn't in my top three. Pollock was probably the first narrative film on the outside looking in on my list. So. Okay. Yeah. I yeah. haven't seen uh, either Frida or Pollock. Yeah. Uh, okay, well, uh, I'll go now. <laughs> uh, my number three is, I'm in two minds about because I respect this film a lot and I got a lot out of it, but I have a, a fundamental problem with a lot of Tarkovsky's cinema, except for Stalker, which is in my top ten. Yeah. So Andre Rublev is my number three, which has so much going for it, but I really think um, uh, Tarkovsky is a um, self-indulgent filmmaker and mm. uh, sequences and shots that could go for... 10 seconds and should go for 10 <laughs> seconds, go for 10 minutes. Yeah. Uh, and I think Andre Rublev uh, suffers from this uh, self-indulgence. But that's about an artist. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's okay. about an artist, yeah. yeah cool. It's about an artist called Andre, Andre Rublev. <laughs> uh, and uh, it's, it's a very long film. And I think Tarkovsky reminds me a lot uh, uh, in his sort of style and sometimes content of Bergman. But Bergman was quite a lean filmmaker. He knew he sort of, you know, was hardly Michael Bay. And so a lot of um, Bergman's films, pretty much all, a lot of them, most of them go for an hour, 30 minutes. Yeah. That's and right. there's no fat to them. No. Whereas Tarkovsky, if he just was less self-indulgent, he may, would maybe be better than Bergman. Mm-hmm. And he, he really shoots himself in the foot with his self-indulgence. Mm-hmm. 
except for Stalker because that mm. movie is amazing. <laughs> My number two is Crumb, the documentary about oh, the. Yeah. Um, the uh, I didn't even bother to look up his first name. Robert. Robert Crumb. Yeah. And that's why we keep Derek around. <laughs> um, oh, that chick who took all those photos. That's a visual artist. I can't remember the name. The chick who took all the photos. <laughs> the, the black and white photos. She was a nanny and she locked herself in her room the whole time. Oh, I know what you're talking about. I didn't see it. Yeah. Yeah. Vivian Meyer? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Vivian Meyer. Is that a movie? Discovering yeah. Vivian Meyer yeah. or something. Oh, something oh like that, and yeah. Big Eyes, that movie they were about. I thought of Big Eyes. but we, One of our first podcasts yes. was on the first. Big Eyes. I didn't want to bring up Big Eyes. Circle of Life. <laughs> Um, but that isn't my number two. Crumb is my number two. Crumb, yeah. Um, about a comic book artist. Yeah. And I actually want to give a uh, shout out to a movie I thought was about a visual artist but isn't, American Splendor, because I think that guy, uh, he's also a comic book artist, uh, yeah. but he's a writer, not the, he doesn't I don't the th- art. I don't think Crumb's first name is Robert. I think it might be J.M. or something. Anyway, I've made enough mistakes on this podcast that I don't want to hedge my bets. Are you just going J.M. because he brought up Finding Neverland because that's J.M. Barry? Yes, that's <laughs> what I'm doing. <laughs> Anyway, I'll Someone look on. it up and see what crumb is. No. <laughs> um, and my number one is also Exit Through the Gift Shop. Yeah. But do you know what was interesting? Before you brought up Exit Through the Gift Shop, my, my top three were actually flipped and Exit Through the Gift Shop was number three, crumb was number two, and, and Andre Rublev was about number, it. number one. And I thought, do I like Andre Rublev that much? No. Yeah. Well, the, especially especially with, with documentaries that – documentaries are, are so often stuck in a particular format and – Exit through the gift shop is something else. It just blows it up. It really is something else. Is it real or not? Is the million dollar question. Yeah. Well, you don't want to, just in case people haven't seen it, we don't want to talk about it too much. Yeah. But uh, go see it. And then, well, don't re listen to this because we're not giving anything away. Yeah. (laughs) That's right. They're all ghosts. Yeah. (laughs) In the documentary. Um, Have you got any final thoughts on uh, what movie did we just watch? Loving Vincent. Loving Vincent. My final thought is I'm really glad you liked it, John, because. Yeah. I didn't know if you would, and and yeah, I, look, I I love films that do crazy shit I haven't seen before with animation, etc. And this was, yeah, this is I, I'm a big fan of those other two films I mentioned earlier. Oh, I didn't mention the other one, did I? Um, Waltz with Bashir, um, which is oh, which is another that's an awesome. It's oh. another kind of yeah. it's not. I guess that's not technically rotoscoping, but it's it's very much like rotoscoping. Can that be like about this. the visual artist? No, it's not. It's about it's oh. really. Neither can tired Israeli soldier. Yeah, but, <laughs> but, but, Titanic. But, but the way. Do you reckon, would you on. say Titanic is about but, a visual artist or a ship going down? Because he does Ooh. draw stuff. <laughs> yeah. Ship or visual artist? Yeah. No, that, well, he, yeah. draw, he draws. When's uh, a piece of string? He draws yeah. rose. Yeah, that's what I was about so. to say. If you doodle in a film. Um, hang on, but, yeah. but isn't the start of Walsh Bashir, he's like, he is. He he's goes a director. To someone because he's a director. He no, he, he meets someone because he wants to draw it or but something. But it's not a bad visual. I, I mean, think I think so. Yeah, he's interviewing f- former soldiers, basically. I think it's yeah. less about visual a visual artist than Titanic is. You know, like, yeah. essentially, Waltz with Bashir is about the war. Yeah. Maybe with a visual artist in it. Yeah, but and I feel I, like... That's not even confirmed, yeah. Blakey. Mm. So, well, so this, this joins the... Next time, come <laughs> prepared with your top three. Mm. <laughs> Miyazaki. Surely there's a doco on him and Walt Disney somewhere. <laughs> there, there is a doco on Miyazaki and he comes across as a bit of a jerk. Oh, He's yeah, a bit of a control freak from what I've seen. Um, I don't... Just like you. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> that's what means that me and Miyazaki have in common. Apart from sort of just raw genius. Yes. And tiny penises. <laughs> and t- <laughs> <laughs> He's got a way bigger... How? <laughs> Sorry, this is G-rated, Blakey, and now um, we're going to have to put the an R-rated. <laughs> actually, actually, no, I think this podcast is uh, technically on iTunes as an explicit podcast, it just in be. case 
Derek starts uh, you know, <laughs> losing his shit on, on one Dunkirk. of his famous rants. Fucking Dunkirk. <laughs> yeah. well, there it just went. It just went there if it hadn't been already. Right. I've said fuck before in this podcast. And there I just said it again. Oh, <laughs> company I'm keeping. Yeah. Bring back Zoe. Yeah, bring back Zoe. <laughs> yeah. We, we Zoe, miss you, Zoe. Zoe if you're listening, we need you back. In fact, <laughs> maybe next podcast, just you and me, and then there'll be no swearing, nice talk. Blake, you won't bring up dicks. John, I want to hear. Three. I want to hear Blake's final thoughts on Loving Vincent. I, I did. I liked Vincent. I did like it. I feel like you, so it was liking Vincent. It. For it you. was liking Vincent. Yeah. Yes. The protagonist was my. Like that. <laughs> I, that was. I just made that joke. You did it. Yeah. Okay. Come on now. I like that, Derek. Great I put the ing on the end oh, of it. That's well it done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. No. I, I, the protagonist was my biggest issue in the film. I think he was miscast. Yeah. And that's pretty much big Dougie Booth. But how about how about yeah, yeah how about Chris O'Dowd with that big beard. Yeah, well, that was off-putting as well. As I soon, thought it was off-putting. As soon as I saw him, I was just like, "Is that?" I, I was like, "Is that Chris?" You could hear his voice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That was that was. The, oh, sorry. No, I was about to do my outro. Yeah, well, didn't you don't have any final thoughts? No, you said them all already. Said, said everything. Liked it. Go say it. Yeah. yeah. Loving Vincent. This has been the Real Good Podcast. Thank you, Blakey. Thank you, John. And thank you, Derek. I uh, yeah. <laughs> for, more, for more film stuff, go to realgood.com.au. That's real with two E's. It's a good site. Derek writes for it. I write for it. Blakey does this for it. And sort of is just a general, uh, you know. Um, nuisance. Nuisance. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll be back again soon with Zoe because uh, Derek, um, Derek suggested we do the next one with Zoe. Yeah. We don't know what film it's going to be, but uh, it'll be a good episode because they all are. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye.